High Noon with George Hook. News Talk 106 to 108. Now into the studio came Bill Hughes, armed with a CD under his arm, which is this week's essential song. I'm afraid to ask you now every week what the song's going to be. Well, right. I understand. Well, loved last week. Oh, Stormy was, weather, Lena Horn. Get I, off the stage. I was ecstatic. Good. It made my weekend. Good. I'm glad. I'm glad. Um, but Black Sabbath didn't. That was weeks ago. Right, okay. That was weeks ago. That's like the guy, you know, one fart and you called me stinky for five years. Do you know? <laughs> it's like... Well, I wake up in the middle of the night screaming now about oh. Black Sabbath. Re- well, you shouldn't, really, because yeah. it's a minor, minor infraction. Today, I think I've got a great treat for you. I'm taking you back 53 years. Well, I'll nine- have to do the multiplication. 64. 1964. One of the biggest hits of 1964 yeah. by Martha Reeves and the Vandellas. Oh. Dancing in the street. Oh, yeah. Yes, you like yeah. this one. Okay, well, good. I loved those black female groups. Yeah. All of them. Me and Prince Charles, he was a big fan of black female groups as well. He certainly was, particularly the Three Degrees yeah. and particularly Sheila Richardson. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, I didn't know that. You could have seen her recently on the best exotic, the real exotic Marigold Hotel to see how she is these days really? looking for a retirement home. Yeah, it's quite funny. Anyway, I was thinking of her heady days with Prince Charles. But Dancing in the Street, written by Marvin Gaye, yeah. Mickey Stevenson and Ivy Joe Hunter. And it was recorded by Martha and the Vandellas and it comes in with a magnificent drum roll. Da, 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 da. It's Marvin Gaye on the drums. Just ah. so you know. Just before you go on now, yeah. if you don't mind. Mm-hmm. Didn't we do something, you and I, with Marvin Gaye and I heard it on Grapevine? We've done Grapevine and we've done... So my memory isn't failing? Well, over five years, no, no. We've got, and we've also done his Abraham, Martin and John, story of Abraham Lincoln, Martin Luther King and John F. Kennedy, which is a beautiful song that Marvin Gaye wrote. Um, so Marvin's on the drums. Marvin's on the drums and has written, co-written the song with uh, Mickey Stevenson and Ivy Joe Hunter. Um, Mickey Stevenson got the idea. Uh, he was in uh, Detroit on a hot summer's day and they opened the fire hydrants to kind of cool down the streets and the people were running through the, the kids particular. The kids remember particular. those pictures, yeah. Yeah, and, and that's how he conceived the song. But he conceived it as a ballad. And he went off and uh, he did a rough draft of the lyrics and presented it to Marvin Gaye, disguised as a ballad. But when Gaye read the lyrics, he went, no, 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 no. This is a big celebratory song. And so they got together with Ivy Joe Hunter and the next thing, they had the proper song. So the first person they offered it to was uh, Kim Weston, who was married to Mickey Stevenson, his wife, and she was a big star at the time. She turned it down. <laughs> no, don't like it. Don't like it. And so it sat on a shelf for a while until the bald Martha Reeves came into the frame and when they offered it to her, it took off. Um Mickey Stevenson, William Mickey Stevenson, to give him his full name, he was the A&R 
head of the A&R department in Tamla Motown in its heyday. A&R standing for? Uh, artists and Repertoire. All right. Okay. When they signed The Supremes and Marvin Gaye and The Temptations and The Four Tops and Stevie Wonder and, of course, Martha. No, so, sorry. Yeah. This is all coming out of Detroit. All is coming it? out of Detroit, okay. Motor okay. City. And, in fact, there's a line in the song to acknowledge that it came from Detroit. Okay. De- Motor City is, is mentioned. Um, but Martha and the Vandellas, they got together from, they were known as Martha and the Vandellas from 67 to 72. Uh, Martha Reeves and the Vandellas. It, it, when this song came out, they were just Martha and the Vandellas. But she was playing Martha, the, the, the lead. She couldn't get a gig and she was working part time in nightclubs and she was singing any old thing. And one night in a club called 20 Grand, the club was called in Detroit, Stevenson went in and heard her, liked her so much, went up and gave her his business card and said, you need to call me. So the following day, he's in his office and she showed up at the door and he said, no, I gave you the card. You're supposed to call me, <laughs> set up an appointment. Now, while you're waiting, would you mind just doing the coffees there? And would yeah. you mind answering the phone? Because I have stuff to do. By the end of the day, he realized, my God, she, the office has never been so organized. <laughs> and so he, he brought her on board on, on the payroll. As a secretary. As a secretary, uh, running general factor, in charge of payroll, everything. She was like the coolest woman. But then when she kept telling him about her pals, she had these pals and that they had this singing group and they had this, that and the other. So they got offered dancing in the street. They got into studio. Marvin got on the drums. The next thing, the song was recorded and it became this phenomenal hit. Now, can Mar- I just stop you here? Yeah, yeah. That 1964 mm-hmm. Ford motor cars were still probably being made in Detroit, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Huge number of people employed in Detroit. It's a thriving city. If you and I were to go back to Detroit today, mm-hmm. it like the tumbleweed to be running down. Well, you've read Detroit. recently of all the Irish people who invested in properties yeah. there and they were buying houses for 10 grand thinking they were a great value, but in fact, they were worth a cent. One they were cent. overpriced at 10 grand. Overpriced at 10 grand. The, now, the thing about this song is it was kind of produced as an innocent kind of dance single. That's what everybody thought it was. But it actually became the precursor to the disco movement of the 70s, back in 1964. It set it down. And it also took on a different meaning when there were race riots in inner city in America. And one of the key people who was organising the race riots, the signal for the race riots, he was using dancing in the street. In other words, come out and fight. And so um, when Martha Reeves arrived in London to promote the song, um, a journalist stuck a microphone in her face and asked her if it was a call to riot. And like Reeves just said, the, you know, this whole thing, this is just, it's a party song. You're being absurd. And she was really frantic and it soured her relationship with the British media temporarily. Because to be fair to Barry Gordy, the real genius behind Tamla Motown, he had actually set up the Black Forum which was to be a place for black culture to discuss all issues like that. And it was a separate thing to Motown. He didn't want the two to, to, to cross over. And the press were trying to force them to cross over. In, in fact, Motown 
had its own day and had its own ran its own course. Um, so when you look at at the, the guys, the, the Mickey Stevenson and uh, George Ivy Hunter, the listeners will know that Ivy Hunter he's the guy who wrote "Behind a Painted Smile" for the Isley Brothers, which was a massive hit, and that Stevenson also wrote. It Takes Two for Marvin Gaye and Kim Weston and Jimmy Ruffin's What Becomes of the Broken Hearted. So these guys had some form. You right. know, they were really top, top I, writers. Do you know what sometimes mm. happens here? Mm-hmm. Like you, you come in and ostensibly you're going to talk about song A, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> and then you get all me madly excited because you start saying, then of course there was this, then of course. <laughs> so like when you say, for instance... Uh, Marvin and Kim, it takes two. Yeah. I mean, I'm just hoping I'm going to hear this next couple of weeks <laughs> because it's fabulous. It's a great it? song. It's oh, a yeah. great song. So, this... And this is the same Kim Weston who turned down yeah, Dancing in the Street. But but it's Martha and the Vandellas yeah. now at this point. Yeah. yeah. With that wonderful and brass intro and that fabulous I drum I thought it roll. was a drum intro earlier. It's a, a drum roll and brass intro. You'll know Make when you hear it. Should we hear it? Should we play I'm it? Like, why not? Why not? <laughs> Everybody's saying, shut your man hook up and let's get to Dancing in the Streets with Martha and the Vandellas. Hit it. Can you just imagine 23-year-old George Hook full of testosterone with Martha and the Vandellas this week's essential song 
chosen by Bill Hughes. The, yeah, it's only on. right that we should give name checks to the Vandellas and who oh, they yeah, were. Yeah, so yeah. there was Annette Beard, Rosalind Ashford, and Gloria Williams. And it was when Gloria Williams realised that she wasn't the best voice in it when Martha Reeves came in, and Gloria left, and then it became Martha and the Vandellas. So that was the kind of shift. But you know, in in Northeastern High School in uh, Detroit, uh, Martha went to that school and she had a vocal coach when she was a kid. And that's the power of proper training in a school because her vocal coach, Abraham Silver, was also the vocal coach of Florence Ballard and Mary Wilson, who were the Supremes. There was Diana Ross and Florence Ballard and Mary Wilson, but also Bobby Rogers who was The Miracles with, you know, Smokey Robinson and The Miracles. So you had Bobby right. and they all went to the same but, high school. But uh, listen, given mm. that, you you know, your huge experience in music production, mm-hmm. it, even to a, 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 somebody like me who doesn't know much about it, the production values there are incredible because you've got the beat sort of almost up front and it seems as if she's singing the Vandellas or singing like in a kind of cave or something, you know? Yeah. And there's this extraordinary sound. I mean... I remember it in 64, like as a young student. I mean, it was unbelievable. Well, it was the precursor to Phil Spector then going off and creating the wall of sound that he brought yeah. in for River Deep Mountain High. So this was kind of all building towards people experimenting. I remember a few weeks ago we were talking about an Elvis track where the producer discovered that he couldn't have Elvis standing at one mic because Elvis was moving all the time. So he kept losing. So the guy had to mic the entire studio and find out omnidirectional mic so that he could capture that was every Heartbreak nuance. Hotel, Heartbreak was Hotel, yeah. And oh, uh, that's you're not getting sleepless nights about that. You're just getting sleepless nights about Black Sabbath. Isn't that terrible? Oh, listen, Barry says Dave Bowie, or Bowie, uh, re- re- recorded it for Live Aid. Well, hold on. In 1985, Bowie yeah. recorded it uh, with Mick Jagger. Yeah, Pete that, says that. Yeah. yeah. And in 1966, The Mamas and the Papas covered it. In 1982, uh, uh, Van Halen covered it. But in 1985, uh, but Martha and the it's the one. It's yeah. the definitive one. Like it was a great way for Live Aid to finish because they had a, a video of literally Bowie and Mick Jagger going crazy, running around the street and all of that. And it was it was funny and it was high camp and it was kitsch. It was a, but Martha and the Vandellas. That's just government. And when you think of the other hits that they had, because they actually had 26 hits, Martha and the Vandellas. Really? But their key ones were Love is Like a Heat Wave. Yeah. You know, your love is like, uh, Nowhere to Run. Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Jimmy Mack. Yeah. Jimmy Mack, Jimmy yeah, Mack, I'm no, no, no back. listen, don't be like, lecturing me about well, Martha I'm just and saying, the yeah, But they had so you many hits. You weren't even born and I'm listening to Martha and the Vandellas. Excuse me. I was born. Well, you weren't in control of your bodily functions, let's put it. You were in nappies. <laughs> I, was, I was out in nappies. I was out in nappies. Listen, I, I was I, a nine-year-old. I hate when you come in here and you start lecturing me <laughs> about my kind of music. I'm happy you can do what the hell you like about Black Sabbath and all this other oddball stuff that you bring in to me. But when you bring in the real stuff... Yeah, it's like you hang on to one negative. You really have to, you need to do a little course in how to let go. Let go. 
I don't know how Ingrid puts up with you. Really? (laughs) For all of that. Now, listen, I just want to tell everybody that uh, on Spotify, you can stream all Bill's music from time immemorial on uh, George Hook's Essential Songs. They're really Bill's, but I had to put my name in the headlights. (laughs) Um, And I'm rushing out of here. Bill, I'll be listening to it. I'm heading down to Galway. I'm giving the homily in Donamy Church in the Novena in Galway tonight. And everybody can stand back in case lightning strikes, yeah? I'll be there giving old-fashioned religion. And will you be hearing confessions? It'll sound like, it'll sound like a Baptist church in Mississippi. Is that it'll be fire the and brimstone? Fire and brimstone. Speaking of fire and brimstone, thanks, Bill. You 